This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with Get Connected. Uh, this is John Beeler with AJ Vickery in studio. How's Where's it going? Mike? Mike is in Spain still. Jeez. I know. Come back, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so this week you get John and AJ. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good. We've got a really good show coming up for you. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including uh, General Motors has a new EV strategy. They've just unveiled. Very exciting times mm. for the EV car purchaser. Yeah. Uh, I knew you just had to wait a couple of years. Right. You know? like, yeah. Well, yeah. you didn't wait, but. I'm, I'm still waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've also got Erin Lawrence, one of our favorite tech journalists out of Calgary. Uh, she's going to be here talking about some cool travel tech that she came across. And we're going to talk about the latest news with Ottawa's sort of planned to reduce your smartphone bill. Yay. And how they're going to do that. So we're going to talk I'm about gonna that. I'm going to save so much money. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but first, let's talk about some of the news that's happening. Um, as everyone is well aware, hopefully, uh, the COVID-19 virus concerns are affecting everything. Uh, Mike and I were in Spain, or supposed to go to Spain for a conference that got canceled. Yep. And due to the concerns, uh, a lot of countries are starting to see uh, a lot more uh, uh, infections and concerns about gatherings of people. And so a lot of events are starting to get canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, even movie theaters are closing down in some countries because it's a gathering of people that they don't want to have a concern for that. Um, but even it's affecting the tech world quite a bit. Yes. So, uh, Apple's iPhone camera supplier shuts down due to a coronavirus, which may impact, you know, the fall release schedule for the new phones as we would always typically expect. Um, and then other big companies are pulling out of things like South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, uh, again, to protect their employees and also to lessen the chance. Um, it's really making me wonder some of these large gatherings of people, you know, for work or for pleasure, uh, is this going to change how we, <laughs> we well, do business and how we have entertainment? Well, I mean, I gotta be honest. I was a little nervous to sit in this room with you after you've been traveling around the world, uh, to Spain, especially. And, uh, <coughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, the psychological effect of, of this uh, and and then the real world effect of, of what's right. going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's gotten to the point where people are really reluctant to book travel, uh, even if it's to a country that's not in the, you know, the hot zones, as they call them, uh, because, it, it, you know, from the time you book to the time you actually go, it could become a hot zone. Yeah. Uh, I know f- when we went to Spain, um, one of the challenges we had is like, well, is it going to be a problem when we're there? And it's still one of the lower countries as far as infections. Uh, so I wasn't too concerned about that, but you're right. Mm-hmm. I did pass through a number of large airports mm-hmm. uh, on a number of large planes full of people. And uh, so everything seemed fine to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting though, in Europe, the concern, did you see a lot of masks, a lot of masks, yeah. a lot of people not using the masks correctly though. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was concerned because they're wearing the mask, but they have to take it off and they go talk to the passport guy, you know, at the airport. And then they touch all, all the stuff on the desk there. And then they put the mask back on. <laughs> I'm like, you kind of just contaminate. So I was, I was in Costco this last week and they're, they were out, they were sold out of toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
I actually went to my local Walmart, yeah. and they had plenty of toilet paper. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually prefer the Walmart toilet paper over the Costco toilet paper. So there you go. <laughs> there's that too. But um, so these events, whether they're you know uh, work conferences or or other things, uh, it's just someone actually put together a website. It's called isitcanceledyet.com. I love it. <laughs> and uh, it basically lists some of the major things. And there's some pretty big events that have already been canceled. Like yeah. Google has their IO conference, which is where they have all their developers down to the Googleplex. And in the it's a huge event where they launch all kinds of new uh, features and stuff for Android. We hear about the latest versions of Android. Yes. We see a lot of the new hardware getting announced, or at least the specifications for the new hardware. Yeah. Uh, it's canceled. So they're going to do it all over Google Hangouts now. Yeah. So, but that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's probably, it does. probably a lot cheaper for a lot of people that, you know, it's a pretty expensive thing to go and do travel like that. Um, but there's still a number of other big events that have huge, huge attendance that have not been uh, affected yet. There's even some bigger events like the 2020 Olympics in Japan mm-hmm. that are, uh, it's on the fence whether it's going to be canceled or not. And that's got to be having a huge impact on the perform, uh, the preparations that the performers are, or the athletes are going under, you know, like, do we want to go there mm-hmm. for that? Well, I know that, uh, you know, even, um, you know, large organizations with that uh, sort of like, you know, national multinational offices are, you know, starting to figure out what their communication plan is to their employees in terms of how they're going to deal with this. And, you know, there's, there's the uh, right right off the bat. Um, there's some companies that are putting out notices saying that if you have travel traveled, uh, especially to any of these areas, that there might be higher concentrations of infections. That um, you're welcome to self quarantine yourself. So like electively, right. Choose to stay home for two weeks yep. uh, to make sure that you don't get sick before you come into the office. I think it's only a matter of time before uh, companies start giving folks the opportunity to work from home if that's a possibility yeah. uh, for them. And it'll be an interesting um, time to reflect and see what some of the effects were, even from an innovation standpoint. Yeah, it's, it's something we talked about with Mobile Board Congress, which got canceled, mm-hmm. uh, but Mike and I still went yeah. uh, to Spain. Uh, there's still always going to be that that face-to-face connection that people want to have. And, sure. and I know a lot of these uh, big shows, they rely on the fact that they're going to have some big players there. They're going to make all their deals and do all their, their meetings and all that kind of stuff in one place. So mm-hmm. if they go to one thing a year, it's like that thing. And um, so... It'll be really interesting to see if these things survive this year uh, or not. And um, well, I mean, and I kind of just like just to sort of take an analogy out of sort of like Ready Player One, right? Yeah. So this idea of sort of like you know digitally um, having these face to face, yeah. You know, is that sort of idea possible? And will something like this um, help the technology get there? You know. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Mm. We're all going to meet in VR to uh, yeah. to have these virtual conferences yeah. instead. Yeah. And honestly, you know, that makes a lot more sense from a cost perspective. Uh, maybe not so much for the, uh, you know, the entertaining side of the conferences, which is always the fun part. Is going out for drinks with sure. you know colleagues you've never met uh, in person. You know. So, uh, anyways, uh, we're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about travel tech with Aaron Lawrence. Stay tuned. And we're back with our favorite Calgarian tech reporter, 
uh, Erin Lawrence, and she is with TechGadgetsCanada.com, and she's here to talk to us about some travel tech, which is very timely because uh, I'm just back from some travel, and Mike is still traveling. Welcome That's to the right, show. and I am jealous. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being with us. Yeah, it glad was a, to be here always. It was a great trip, and it sounds like I could have maybe used some of these gadgets with me. Uh, I was in Spain, as we've talked about a bit on the show, and uh, the first thing you have would have been very handy, although I was able to fumble through a little bit in Spain with my Spanish. Uh, what do you got for us, Erin? Yeah, so this is actually great if you're going to a location where you don't know how to say donde está el baño or una cerveza, por favor, which is about all most of us Canadians can do in Spanish. Pretty so much. I found this gadget called Pocket Talk. And what it is, is it's kind of like, it's the size of a small stack of business cards, I guess. So it literally fits in your hand. And it is a pocket translator and interpreter. And what it'll do is it will, uh, you know, you basically talk into it and it'll translate for you into dozens of languages. It's also got a feature which will let you snap a photo of a sign or a menu, for example, and it'll translate the words for you right on screen. That sounds pretty cool. And it's completely offline? It runs off a cellular signal, but when the company sends it to you, it comes with two years of cellular data. So I think they said it works in something like 170 countries. So just about anywhere you're going to travel and and probably not speak the language, you should be able to get a signal and this should work. If for some reason the cellular signal doesn't, you can hotspot it from your phone. You can use it on Wi-Fi. There's a ton of different options. That's very cool. And how how does it work? Have you you tried it out? I have tried it out. I've tried it out uh, with Spanish um, and with uh, a friend of ours who is Persian. And what other language did we try? Uh, Vietnamese and it seems so so folks tell me it seems like it's pretty accurate because that's always a big problem with some of these translation services especially you know if they're free it kind of gets the words it doesn't necessarily get the gist of the you know the translated uh, sentences and stuff like that so it can actually sound worse than if you just tried to fumble through it yourself definitely and the thing that impressed me quite a bit about this device is that it's quick some of those gadgets and devices you're talking about, you know, you're standing there, you know, buying a bus ticket or a train ticket, waiting for your translator or your interpreter device to catch up to you. This one was quite instantaneous and quite fast. That's great. All right. What if you're going uh, off into the mountains or the backcountry, though? Yeah, I think you want to put safety top of mind for those things. And I had a chance to test out a gadget that is perfect for those folks who want to do, you know, the heliskiing thing or they're off at a a remote cabin in the backwoods. There's a device called Spot X, and it's what the company calls a satellite messaging system. So not quite a satellite phone, but it's almost like a text uh, or email device. So it looks a lot like a BlackBerry with that physical keyboard on the front and a big antenna. And it lets you send messaging to anyone you want. You can upload all your contacts, uh, make sure you've got search and rescue on speed dial if you need to. And it lets you be in contact with everyone, whether you're having some kind of emergency and you need help, or whether you just want to check in with your family or other loved ones while you're out on a remote trip in the middle of nowhere. 
That sounds really cool. So this, you, I can text somebody or is this something like, does it work with like messaging services like WhatsApp and um, uh, Facebook and that type of thing? Yeah, it's primarily for text and email, but there is a way that you can upload your social feeds to it as well. So you need to get all that stuff set up before you go. And trust me, you definitely want to do that. Um, but there is a way that you can say you wanted to check in with everyone on Facebook and let them know you summited some great peak. Um, you can do that and it gets set up so that it'll automatically post those updates to your social feeds for you. So it gives you a lot of versatility for how you want to communicate. That's really cool. And I'm also reading something about the, the waypoint checks that you can do as well. Yeah, it'll, it basically has this feature that lets you set your route. So you can kind of plug in your coordinates on a map for where you're starting and where you're going to end up. And you can set waypoints for that journey. So every time you cross one of those waypoints, it'll automatically send an alert to whoever you want, whoever, whoever you've made on your emergency contact list or your update list. And it'll automatically let people know, okay, you've reached the next waypoint. Okay, you've reached the next day's waypoint so that you don't have to worry about checking in if you're busy with other things. That, that sounds like a great way to just make sure that you know, you're being watched from afar, especially if you're in the backcountry where anything can happen literally instantly and you might not be able to press that button by yourself. And you definitely don't have a cell signal. So absolutely safety first. Very cool. Okay, what about uh, air travel and the security conference? conscious traveler yeah anybody who's ever had something stolen out of their backpack or their bag from a busy airport train station or bus station knows that sometimes you just want to keep that stuff locked up so we're all familiar with travel locks and you know i know a lot of folks who've packed their travel lock and left the key at home so that (laughs) doesn't do you very much good a new gadget i found called the benji lock fingerprint travel lock unlocks your travel lock with your fingerprint as the name indicates so you don't have to worry about remembering to bring the keys you don't have to worry about remembering the combination to a lock you might only use a couple times a year you just push your fingerprint onto the side of this lock and it'll pop open and gives you that security and peace of mind without having to worry about all the extras i can speak from experience on this because i literally just used uh a travel lock with a, the old-fashioned key system, and it just felt like the old uh, olden times because I had to find the key, of course, when I wanted to get my stuff out of the bag once I got home, and I couldn't remember where I put the key. Uh, fortunately, yeah. I did find it eventually. It was on my keychain f- with my car, but it, it's such a <laughs> tiny little key that it, they're easily lost. They are super small. And even the newer ones, the technology-enabled ones that you can open with an app, for example, or open remotely, Um, You know, sometimes you're not in a spot where you, you know, either have time to or want to fumble with your phone or get on Wi-Fi to try and do it or worry about Bluetooth. This one, it's literally just press your fingerprint against it and it's open. Very, very convenient to use. So how how does it, how's it, do you have to put a battery in it or is it rechargeable? How does that work? Yeah, it is rechargeable um, and you, you'll set there's sort of a sequence you'll go through where you set the fingerprint and you can add, I think it's up to five fingerprints per lock. So, you know, ideal if you're traveling with someone, you want to make sure that they can get access to your bag too if they need to. And you just go through this little setup sequence where you apply sort of the master fingerprint. And then you can go ahead and add other fingerprints to it as well. It was actually quite easy to set up, a lot easier than I was expecting. Very cool. 
All right. We got time for, I think, one more thing. What do you have? One of my favorites. So I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but I'm exploring van life where we're camperizing a van so that we've sort of got this little off-grid home on wheels. And right now we're all about power and how we can do things like, you know, blogging and YouTubing and all that other good stuff while we're on the road. So one of the great gadgets I found is something called the Renogy Phoenix. And it's a, it's kind of a cross between a portable power bank and a big generator. It's AC powered, so you can recharge it by plugging it in. You can also connect solar panels to it. And I got a gadget called a solar suitcase that comes, or it didn't come with it, but I got it as well. And you unfold these solar panels, plug it into the power box, and it'll recharge it wherever you happen to be if you're off grid. And what you can use this Phoenix portable power bank off grid charging device for, you can plug in anything that has an AC plug. You can plug in USB so you can keep your smartphones and your tablets recharged. You can recharge your camera batteries. Um, you can even plug in some light. You obviously want to be careful of the wattage. You don't want to blow it out by plugging in something like your espresso machine. Um, <laughs> but it does give you a lot of versatility for extra power if you need it. So no hair dryers? Probably not a hair dryer, no. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that's all our time for this segment, Erin. Thank you so much. Uh, we were talking with Erin Lawrence from TechGadgetsCanada.com. She had some great uh, travel tech, including a pocket Pocket Talk Portable Translator, the SpotX Satellite Messenger, the Benji Lock Fingerprint Travel Lock, and Renogy Phoenix 300 Portable Power Bank. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks. Great talking to you. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about General Motors' electric vehicle strategy and what it means back after this. And you're back with Get Connected, John Beeler in studio. And on the line, we have our good friend, Ted Chrysonis from Toronto, and Ted has been spending the last few days uh, with the folks of GM, and they've got some pretty exciting announcements that uh, Ted was there for. What can you tell us, Ted? And welcome. So, oh, well, thanks for having me, guys, as always. Uh, so basically, the gist of it is that GM is all in on electric cars. They're they, they basically betting the future of the company on EVs. And they think that they got the technology to make it not only viable, to, but to make it profitable. Because ultimately, that's really one of the big hurdles that for automakers to go further into this, right? Is they're, they're not really making any money off it. And so they're trying to, so GM is trying to, to do that in a way where they've developed their own battery in tandem with LG Chem. So LG doesn't just make phones and laptops. They have a big battery business. Uh, and they've been making batteries or supplying batteries actually to GM for, for some time now. But now they work together and they've come up with something called Ultium. So this is a battery that w w whose capacity uh, can grow significantly um, instead of cylinder, you know, sort of cylinders holding uh, inside. It's it's just like these rectangular panels that they can they can layer either horizontally or vertically. So very interesting. Like when you see it visually, you know, you kind of get a different perspective. Uh, of how it works, even if you don't know the technology that well. So, so does that mean they, they basically, you know, in the past, they have a space dedicated for the battery in the car, and it's typically like usually in the in the bottom of the car or the trunk or yeah. the frunk or whatever you want to call the it. The undercarriage. Yeah, the undercarriage. Yeah. But now they can actually sort of slot battery packs in almost any empty space. Is that true? That's right. Yeah. yeah you're, no, you're correct. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about when we sit in a car, especially in the back seat, 
um, if you if you sort of have like if you have that little sort of indent, you have like a, a raised area where the where the where the feet are, right? Uh, in between the the passengers in the back, they can stick a battery pack in there. This, uh, this sounds a lot like what Apple did with their battery packs, trying to get away from like the standard you know rectangular battery blocks, and they were able to come up with this sort of like liquidized. Um, battery system that fill all the spaces that they had when they move some components around, which is great. I mean, it makes sense in these cars, you know, everyone wants more battery life and more range. So, well, yeah. And that's ultimately, I think that what they're trying to get at here is they're trying to uh, deal with the two key things. in when it comes to EVs, first of all, how much does it cost to actually get the car? And then the second thing is where do I charge and how long is it going to take? So those are, I mean, I think anybody following this can see that those are the major roadblocks right now for adoption. And and so they're they're hoping that they can attack these things. I mean, attack may not be the right word, but at least they can address these things in, in this at the same time because of this kind of battery technology. So that's why they're, the strategy is largely centered on. I mean, to, to me, it's the linchpin of the whole thing. Uh, if this thing is viable and it works the way they say it will, it could make a big difference and they could give Tesla a real run for their money because ultimately that's who they're chasing. Tesla was the elephant in the room the entire time uh, as this event was going on because that's that's who everybody's chasing in the EV race. So Tesla's got some very interesting stuff that's going on in the battery side too, but GM thinks that it's got something so viable in fact that they might even be able to license it out at some point too. Which so is awesome. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for sure, right? Because that's another revenue stream. And, you know, if there's a revenue stream that's profitable for them, then perhaps they can lower the price, uh, you know, and the cost of entry for people buying EVs and so on and so forth. And so they're, they even, you know, to, I think, make the case even further, they have, are now putting 3,500 more electric charging stations uh, at their own facilities in Canada and the US. So GM employees now can kind of get in on the EV thing too. Uh, and be able to charge at work. Yeah, because it's not just a uh, logistics and facilities issue as far as charging stations. It's also a culture change too, because I think a lot of even their own employees are car people, right? And sure. for a lot of people, that's that's a big engine. You know, that's a big thing. Um, I got I got an idea that there's some other changes coming uh, to some of the vehicles that that might change the opinions of those people uh, from uh, a gas engine to an electric option. Yeah. So what, that was one of the, I think that's been one of the sort of prevailing criticisms, right? Is like, okay, you got the Chevy Bolt. That's the only all EV car that GM has right now. Yeah. So, okay. It's not, but it's not ideal for everybody. Not everybody wants a vehicle like that. It's a little bit compact. It's small. It, you know, a lot of people like SUVs. So naturally GM says, okay, well, not only are we going to go with this new battery technology, but we're going to put it into vehicles that you would traditionally see come from us. So they're not necessarily electrifying the gas versions of their vehicles. They're trying to actually go with different designs entirely as well. So there was a Cadillac SUV, uh, which was the Lyric. Um, very, you know, interesting design, very, very clean and kind of svelte. Um, there was, you know, there was even a Buick, <laughs> there was a Hummer, actually there were two Hummers. There was a, a pickup and a, an SUV, uh, Hummer. Um, there should be a lot of battery space on those vehicles. Oh, well, yeah, because <laughs> I, the, the, the pickup Hummer is the one that's supposed to, I believe have the 350 kilowatt per hour capacity with horsepower thing go up to a thousand. So a thousand horsepower is uh, fast to say the least. Yeah. 
I mean, zero to 60 in less than three seconds uh, in a pickup is pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, so I think they're, they're, they're looking to have all four of their brands and Hummer's under the GMC brand, by the way, they're looking to have all four of their brands be in on the electric car uh, or the elect the EV space. Uh, so they want to offer something for everybody, whether it's a small compact vehicle or something large. And, and on top of that, the, the bolt will also get a little bit of a, a different look next year. Not drastically different, but there will be the EUV. So basically, uh, they're going to, like, you know, the electric utility vehicle. So uh, That sounds pretty cool. It sounds pretty cool. It, it looks pretty cool, too. Um, we, you know, we didn't really get to sit inside it or anything. It looks a little different, but it's, it's not a dramatic uh, visual difference. Now, mind you, what we saw, like GM said, what we saw was real, but what we saw wasn't necessarily entirely final as right. far as design goes. Right. All right, Ted. Thanks again, as always. Uh, Ted Croissant from Toronto, one of our favorite tech journalists, talking about the latest from GM. Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you guys. Thank you. All right. We'll be back uh, with more tech to talk on Get Connected. And you're back with Get Connected, John and AJ in studio. Let's talk about our cell phone plans. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you go open line and get like a thousand people call and complain. Oh, it's haterade big time. Mm -hmm. Um, So this week, uh, Ottawa has basically outlined their plan to get the big three to reduce uh, their telecom uh, monthly bills on your cell phone plan uh, 25% over the next two years. Yes. Sounds great. Sounds great. 25 I mean, yeah, I'll take anything. Well, exactly. <laughs> We're already overpaying compared to the rest of the world. Sure. And, but there's a few little gotchas. Yeah. Um, which are a little concerning. But I kind of get them. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. So for the listeners, uh, the what the plan is, is that basically if you have a cell phone plan between two gigs and six gigs of data on your on your plant mm-hmm. ottawa wants the big three to reduce that by 25 percent. yeah and when you think about uh the folks that are using between two gig and six gig i think that's targeting a market that that um probably um is looking for a lower cost plan right right like yep. a more affordable plan right and so that's where i kind of get it it makes sense. But for a lot of us, everyone, like we want 10 gig minimum, right. maybe unlimited. Exactly. And and we've seen in the last few months, all the big uh, carriers having these 20 gig or unlimited plans for 75, 65, 85, depending on who you're with and that type of thing. Yep. So they're trying to migrate everybody up. Yes. They, they got me. Yep. I migrated from my six gig plan to a 20 gig plan. Sure. Because... I, I want to use that data. Yep. And that price may or may not increase because it's not under the same watchdog. Right. But and but that's also the, the thing that, I, if I recall, their whole platform was about reducing it across the board, mm-hmm. not just for the low-end mm-hmm. uh, people. And But I, by the low-end people, I mean just the low-end data plans, yes. which of which I was a member of until very recently. So, so, so here's my thing, though. Like, I... I think that fundamentally this is a problem because the fact that somebody wants to find a low cost solution to having a mobile phone uh, and the fact that the, um, the the government is actually trying to support this by legislating that, that this, this decrease takes place, you know, there's some fundamental flaws there because, you know, it's not just about the ability to call 911. 
Right. You know, it's about the ability to have access to a smartphone and data is what is what smartphones eat. And data is what is necessary to be able to participate in all of these things. So yeah, browsing a simple website, no big deal. But, um, you know, chewing through more than two gigs a month, it's not hard to get there. Not at all. I mean, just even like taking your own video content and uploading it to the cloud, store it, can chew through that kind of content pretty quickly. Sending photos, that kind of stuff. Well, I was just in Spain and I had a roaming SIM that I used. Yeah. And uh, they have a really nice little data roundup. The first day I was there, I was taking so many pictures and uploading them. Yeah. I burned through two gigs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first day. Yeah. <laughs> so That's a nice camera. What yeah. phone were you using? Uh, that was my iPhone 11 Pro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, new country, lots of photos. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the average person, it's not hard. You know, Google Maps, your emails, browsing a few websites, and then the social media behemoths, they suck a lot of data as well. So it's it's I think it's pretty easy for people to do that. That said, a lot of us are on Wi-Fi a lot of the day nowadays. Yeah. Between coffee shops, the yep. office, and home. True. Um, one one of the things that I thought was interesting um, with that news story that came out was the fact that the um, the government's actually going to um, change the way that they monitor this pricing to quarterly instead of annually. So I think this is a good thing because this is actually allowing uh, more proactive um, engagement between um, the government and sort of what the telecoms are doing. If they start to see that, um, you know, it gives them an opportunity to raise more questions right? Uh, four times a year. So if this two gig thing and the six gig thing kind of like flame out, then, right. then maybe that, maybe something can come up. Right. Because if everyone's already migrated to a higher data plan, yeah. which is kind of what I think the big push for this was recently, because they kind of smelled this coming. Yeah. Um, then you know if there's only you know a small portion of the of the country actually on those data plans then uh time to revisit yeah but it's it's still good it's better than nothing yeah so it's it's positive although it's a little one thing that bothers me though is when the government starts regulating how much you can charge for your business i totally agree right like it's there's a lack of competition uh you know fundamentally this is the issue um there's only a few places that we can go to get this service and uh and in um outside of canada you can see where it's a lot more competitive where those prices are incredibly low yes well i guess we'll have to see next quarter where this goes (laughs) all right uh we'll be back after this on get connected you're back on get connected with john and aj in the studio now it's time for our favorite tech of the week segment. And this week was kind of special because it was AJ's birthday. Yes. And you got a new piece of cool tech from I your did. daughter. I did. Yeah. 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 Tell the us tech. about it. Well, I uh, got um, my first drone and um, it's been something that I've been thinking about for quite some time. And it's a tricky, it's a trip, tricky thing to get because drones, obviously people know there's, there's a lot of controversy about drones there's a lot of people are interested in them but they're they're hard to take out and fly different places so but i've but i love the idea of uh being able to fly something um and i love the the idea of being able to get some really creative photography and video video um and because we're in the business of creating video uh, i've immediately had a bunch of really cool ideas of stuff that we could do do with it 
Uh, but I wasn't ready to sort of jump in and get like a $50,000 drone kind right. of thing, you yeah. know? And yeah. so, uh, so I jumped in and got uh, the D- DJI Mavic Mini. And this drone's pretty cool because it's a very small format. So, so right out of the gate, it's, it folds up into a little box that you could literally squeeze into a small briefcase or, or, or a backpack. And if you're going on a small trip and you're only bringing carry-on, this could fit, you know, beside your electric toothbrush. Mm-hmm. But when you fold it out and you actually compare the wingspan to some of the higher-end drones, it's it's right in the same space. So it's actually quite a stable drone. It can fly outside. It can take the wind on pretty well. I mean, it's very light. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it is, uh, it. so it's actually a pretty, like I'm going to say sort of almost professional type drone in what's in a starter package. So it's a great place for someone who's never flown a drone to start before, and that's why I was quite keen to to start there. Uh, I did quite a bit of research before um, asking my daughter <laughs> for this uh, toy. And the other thing that I really liked about it is that it's uh, it's 249 grams. And why that's important is because uh, at 250 grams, you actually need um, to get a license to fly a drone. That's right. In Canada and a lot of other countries. Yes. Yeah. Under 240, at 249, you can fly it recreational. You still have to follow all the same rules. But it's, it's treated more like a toy than, than, a, than a... Treated uh, more like a toy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what they've done is they've come out with this really, like I would say, like high-end feature-packed drone uh, with a lot of the same features as some of the more professional or higher-end uh, DJI drones. But they've done it in that toy sort of feature in that it packs up really small, easy to take around with you. Uh, at the same time, um, f- don't need a license to fly it. So, uh, so I got it, uh, charged it up. Uh, watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to fly it. And um, they said, whatever you do, the first time you're going to fly a drone, make sure that you're outside, lots of open space. You don't want to, you don't want to basically fly your drone for the first time and crash it. Well, it was a rainy day. And so I basically <laughs> just decided to fly it my home. And it was really cool because I just sort of set it all up. My daughter was super excited. And as soon as you connect it, it tries to find GPS. Because one of the great things about these drones is that it actually get, it actually um, connects to satellites and all of these do many of these drones do this, and and it gets its position so that if you do fly it out of sight, you can tell it to come home, and it'll fly back to the place where it had taken off. Yeah, no, they're awesome. I have a Spark, which is yeah. kind of the older brother, although it's it's a little bit bigger than yours. Yep. Yours is a little bit more feature packed than mine because mine's a little bit older now. Yeah, but yeah, they're they're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, so I flew it in the house first time. Didn't have you know. I had to override the safety controls in the app to be able to let it take off. I had to manually launch it. But I flew this in my living room. I flew it around the kitchen island. I flew it into the living room and back into the kitchen and, and had these like beautiful shots of um, of a video uh, that, uh, that I'm super excited to get out and use this more. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's all of our time this week. Uh, thanks to AJ and Stephen and everybody else that helps put the show together. Uh, make sure you check us out on getconnectedmedia.com. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter to be entered into our contest. This month, we're giving away a Google Nest Mini. And uh, all you need to do is fill out the form, subscribe to our newsletter on the newsletter tab on the homepage, and you're good to go. And you're entered into all of our other contests as well. So John and AJ signing off. See you next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.